You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams, and in this episode, we are discussing the Marvel Disney Plus series, Moon Knight. Joining me for this episode is the Mark Spector to my Alan Grant and his returning guest, the new mutant himself, Mr. Alan White. It's Stephen Grant, my friend. Oh, what did I say? Alan Grant? You did. Oh, Alan Grant is the uh, writer, right? Is a writer, a comic book writer. No. Nope. The Stephen Grant is actually a comic book writer oh. who did actually write Moon Knight at one time. Alan Grant is the is the um, oh. dino- dinosaurologist <laughs> from right. Jurassic Park. Oh, I see. Alan Grant is also uh, a British comic book writer. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah. 2000 AD. Yes. And some yeah. Batman Judge Dredd stuff. So, OK, so I was I was in the ballpark. You were. I gave you that credit. I yeah, gave you that credit. I was in the ballpark. So we're off to a rough start. But before getting into our discussion... <laughs> this is an excellent start, actually. <laughs> we are still brought to you by Derek Coward and the fine folks over at the Deliberate Noise Network. Head to DeliberateNoise.com for more current and archived shows from the network. Mr. New Mutant, what are you drinking this evening? I'm having a whiskey sour. Okay. By the tub, it seems. <laughs> I, I, I have an old McDonald's um, large cup, <laughs> okay. so I keep filling it and refilling it and refilling it, and it mm. is a, it's a, it started out as a amaretto sour, but I had some Jack Daniels and I poured it in there, and then I find myself putting more Jack Daniels in there, so now it's a whiskey sour. Well, that was what our uh, preamble was all about, is just me really letting that Jack soak in so we can get a real <laughs> a real lively recording this time. That was all part of the plan. The thing we're doing is is bringing the lively already. Oh, that's true. That is true. So I'm going to do a little Foley work. I'm going to open this here for you. Oh, all right. This is uh, a freshly opened. This is from La Vista, Nebraska, which is essentially Omaha. Um, But it is from uh, the Lucky Bucket Brewing Company. Okay. Um, And it is a seasonal release. It is their snowsuit spiced Belgium Abbey Ale. And it is uh, holiday spiced, basically. It is a 5.3 alcohol by volume. And it says, Our special blend of spices perfectly accents fruity notes derived from the traditional Belgian Trappist yeast, bringing out the flavors of the season. Here's to winter. And, Alan, I absolutely Mm. hate the winter. Oh. I would... Give many, many things away to uh, to not live <laughs> in the Midwest, especially in the winter. Uh, I've heard it was brutal out there or lately. Yeah, this, yeah. At the, uh, yeah, between Christmas and New Year's, we were the, – the real feel was in the negative 40s. Oh, hell no. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we were in the – we were in the negatives, just re- regular temperature, and then it was like – really really windy and very cold and uh we drove the day after it was negative 40 so it was like negative 20 and it was like um we were driving into the wind basically on the interstate for three and some odd hours and it was not fun because it was sort of icy and sort of 
getting blown around all over the place on the interstate by the wind and i was white knuckling it and the girls were just uh sleeping so whatever that's how that's going and i'm not upset did you uh, put the window down for a second or two and wake everybody up <laughs> yeah <laughs> not that i'm carrying that into the new year at all <laughs> So that's what we are. Uh, that is what we are drinking. We are again discussing uh, Moon Knight, and it came out. I was going to say this year, but Alan, it is now 2023. So this is a 2022. This is a last year release, and again, it is Moon Knight. Hello, and welcome to Staying Awake. I have a sleeping disorder. I can't tell the difference between my waking life. And dreams. Hello, and welcome to Sunny. I'm losing it. We'll catch you on. You're bloody useless. Stevie. Steven. <laughs> I can't tell the difference. Between the eyes and dreams. Thank you. Lost the contact lens. Hope you find it. Thanks. Yeah. Oh my God, you're alive. What's wrong with you, Mark? Why did you call me Mark? It must be very difficult. The voice is in your head. There's chaos in you. Embrace the chaos. And the IMDb plot synopsis goes like this. It's actually not too bad. And it is not written by any one particular person. So, again, this makes me believe that somebody over at uh, at Disney or Marvel put this together instead of the typical IMDb process where it's like, you know, Blazer 646 or whatever. But... (laughs) It goes like this. The series follows Stephen Grant. See, they got it right. A mild-mannered <laughs> gift shop employee who becomes plagued with blackouts and memories of another life. Stephen discovers he has dissociative identity disorder and shares a body with mercenary Mark Spector. As Stephen slash Mark's enemies converge upon them, they must navigate their complex identities while thrust into a deadly mystery among the powerful gods of Egypt. Oh, that is not bad. Yeah, not too bad. That, yeah, yeah. Except uh, they're not so much his enemies. He kind of made an enemy of. He made himself an enemy. Mark made himself an enemy of them. Mm-hmm. And they, it doesn't. They didn't, uh... care much about, they didn't care much about him, except that he got involved with their shit, and they're like, <laughs> "Give it back." Right. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't mention Layla or Arthur either, which is. Interesting, because yeah, those are our, those are our two leads outside of Mark. Mm-hmm. So. Arthur is, I suppose, what they think is his enemies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. 
That is true. All right, so you let me in a little bit uh, about this before we recorded, but tell me about your uh, your history with Moon Knight uh, before uh, we talk about the show. My history with Moon Knight is Andrew Shaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Fist of Conchu, you said. <laughs> yes, that's that was Andrew Shaw's on online persona just like mine is new mutant on the twitters mm-hmm. um, so after i got to know andrew um i got to find out how important uh moon knight was to him is to him and so i said okay well let me check this out let me see what i've been missing and that's my history in a nutshell <laughs> So, but did you read like uh like West Coast Avengers when he would show up sometimes? I no. As a matter of fact, I didn't like West Coast Avengers. Oh, <laughs> and, I, and I think I told you why because their color scheme was off. Uh. <laughs> their color scheme just so bland. And then when Moon Knight shows up in all white, he's not doing a single thing. He's not doing them a single favor. <laughs> so so you had Scarlet Witch in red. You had Wonder Man, I think, in black and red. You mm-hmm. had Tigra in orange. You had Hawkeye in purple and black. And then Moon Knight in white. And, oh, was the Silver Centurion a part of that? Could have been. Maybe so. But I can tell you there was no greens. Mm. I can tell you there was just no rainbow hue. They were just bland to me. Because once, uh, because like when Vision was there, wasn't that when he was like the white Vision? He was like the tan or white Vision, yeah. White Vision, yep. So, no hmm. offense, no offense, white people, but <laughs> was not bringing a lot to the table color wise. <laughs> so my history uh, with Moon Knight is pretty similar. Uh, I did some soul searching because I was like, I've got to have read something about this character before. So I knew about the whole uh, Stephen Platt uh, business uh, when he was like a hot thing for a bit. Okay. um, As the artist. And I knew about I knew about uh, when he came back around and began this sort of multiple personality sort of thing when uh, Bendis and Maleev took it over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. looking at looking at the different covers, I was like, oh yeah, I did read a couple of these. But that was like in a deal where he... I don't even know if I could tell you what it, what was really going on, but it was sort of like a thing where he, he was having such an issue with his mental state to where he would think about Spider-Man or Wolverine or whatever, and then he would have those powers or he'd have like that mindset that he was those people or he were those it, people no well what i remember from that from that run was that those people would manifest to him and kind of cajole him or uh, guide him or motivate him as though it was the actual hero in the room talking to him ah okay but and then he would if he if he did anything to emulate them it was their um tools Mm. he didn't actually like have a power to walk on walls or anything not not to my memory i could be wrong it has been a while Mm. but i do i do remember um scenes of him talking to like spider-man on a balcony somewhere and um him being confronted by a real avenger trying to let him know no you're not this 
this thing you you think you're talking to is not doesn't exist. Mm, okay. But now I'm going to go back and read it because I now I'm just as fuzzy as maybe uh, maybe I'm more fuzzy than you are about. This. Well, and see, I'm looking at uh, so through our library we get four free uh, rentals a month of mm. all these digital books, mm. and they have a ton of uh, collections. And boy, Moon Knight, if nothing else, has a lot of had a lot of a lot of volumes, a lot of. Uh, a lot of collections of things. Yes, yes. Um, they re- restarted him and restarted him and restarted him. Because I'm looking at this one page, and there's got to be 25, 30 different collections, mm-hmm. um, including the stuff like the epic collections of things, you know, like the the Sienkiewicz run and and the um, basically the first whole first volume is there, and the David Finch stuff is here and. Yeah, uh, and then a lot more of the the modern stuff, like the Lemire and Smallwood um, mm-hmm. stuff that w- that this was inspired by, um, that the show was inspired by towards the end of the show. Mm-hmm. So that I haven't read, but I have all of it available. And I guess the the best thing that I'll say about the show right away is that I am interested in reading quite a bit of this uh, mm-hmm. after watching the movie be- or after watching the show because I did this this for me, like I told you and like I told Andrew. Um, boy, I thought at, at the beginning of this, I loved it. Like, I was like, this might be the best thing that Marvel's done for me <laughs> is what I thought after, uh, probably episodes one and two. Oh, okay. You got as far as two. Good, 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 good. <laughs> and so I just kept like writing like, God, I, I love this. I love this. This is really good. There was parts where I was like, Ooh, I don't like that bit. Um, and that was more with the, uh, uh, the gentleman that's in charge of the show. Who How is, do you mean? Who is the head writer of the show? I don't know. Uh, Mr. Slater, who Jeremy Slater, who okay, we have had some run-ins with before. How um, do you mean? He you, was the writer you... of the uh, Michael B. Jordan Fantastic Four. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Uh, he is also the creator of the TV version of the Umbrella Academy. Which boy, oh boy, do I try? I like really want to like, but I have really uh, large tonal problems with the show. Okay. And there are times when Moon Knight has similar problems to that, and that's that's sort of where it it starts to to rub me the wrong way. But what did you think about? So this this overall, I did enjoy quite a bit. Um, my kid. Watched the first two episodes and was just busy with like school and friends stuff. So she didn't watch any after that. But I asked her if she wanted to know what happened. And she said no, because she wants to rewatch it with me. Oh, so there you go. And my wife watched all of it with me and was the one who was like, are we watching just one tonight or can we watch another one? Uh. And I was like, what? I was like, yeah, we can watch it another episode. And so she was (laughs) very into it. Uh-huh. Um, because she is, she had said that, um, she has a very like bohemian sort of style sense when it comes to decoration. Okay. And she also likes, um, the look of like Egyptian sort of decor. Mm. And so everything that when they were in Egypt, she was like, God, this just looks really neat. Like she just thought it looked it, like looked good. And I so want to know, I, so badly, and I didn't do any research. Was it actually, were they shooting actually in Egypt in some of those? 
Boy, Street I don't know. Heat. Like, I can't, I can't, like, when he's on the roof, that's definitely a set. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, set he set. But when he is out mm-hmm. on the street. Running in the streets. I don't know. I mean, it looks really good. So I'm not yeah. sure. So, well, yeah. It, it didn't look like um, Black Adam's street set. Uh, and I don't know if they were actually in whatever. Well, <laughs> they were in like the a place... made-up place, though, right? Yeah, the Kondok, which is doesn't exist actually in life. Uh, okay. But but I think they shot it. It looked more like they were in an actual street of some Middle Eastern place. And uh, now that I'm thinking about the difference, yeah, maybe they maybe Moon Knight folk were not. But I I only think that they could have been because. Um, after Moon Knight's series had wrapped up and months had gone by and somebody put a question either in the social media stream or to one of the producers or somebody said, is there going to be a Moon Knight um, series two? Oscar Isaac answered with a picture of him in a boat, either on the Nile or somewhere going to uh, Egypt again, saying, um, I can't tell. I, I'm not allowed to tell. But he was on location over mm. there in Egypt for season two. So if they went there now, I was I'm wondering were they there first in season one before? Hmm. Well, maybe he was. Well, yeah, I guess I don't know because he could have been. Maybe he was shooting shooting something for a movie upcoming. That just happened to be in Egypt, Eric. Well, I mean, could be. I mean, I mean specifically for like Moon Knight based. You know what Moon I mean? Moon Knight. Yeah, like oh, he, he oh, could. Oh, you mean like in one of the cinematic actual movie theaters? Right, right, right. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like a scene from like Thunderbolts or whatever they have coming up in Phase Five, if they have okay. like some cutaway of Moon Knight or whatever. Like he could have been doing that. Fly him to Egypt for a cutaway scene of Moon Knight in Egypt. <laughs> I'm I'm grasping so the, because I don't that, think that this has been renewed for a season two. Is that how they're going to uh, spend my Disney Plus money? Send, uh, <laughs> send him to Egypt for what, one scene? So they're like, you know what? This one, this is on Alan right here. <laughs> this trip. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I don't know. I didn't I didn't see that. But, uh, but I hope that there's a season two because I think that there's an, plenty of material. Um, and, and one of the things that I guess I was I was hopeful for through this discussion is finding out more about who Moon Knight's villains were. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, because it was like very, I liked the idea that it was very much, um, it was set up as Arthur. Is it Harrow? Is that how they're pronouncing it? Yeah. Harrow. Harrow. I kept it's thinking spelled. they were saying like arrow, but it's Harrow. Well, it, it's a fact of fact. It's spelled like arrow with an H in front of it. Mm hmm. Tarot. Yeah, so I kept thinking like it, it keeps it kept sounding like they were saying like you know in the DC Arrow stuff they said Arrow and I was like Ethan Hawke looks like a guy that could have played Oliver Queen you know so it's just distracting me. He could never. He could have in the day. No. Oh please. I don't oh, find please. that possible at all. <laughs> so what was nice is uh, my kids into the show. 
was she knows Ethan Hawke not only for being Maya Hawke's dad, Maya Hawke from Stranger Things, right? Which is oh. makes me feel very old. Which or, one? Which which one? Which one uh, is she that? plays she plays Robin. Get the fuck out yeah, of here! Yeah, that's that's her and uh, him and uh, his ex wife's <laughs> Uma Uma Thurman's Uma Thurman. Yeah, her yeah. mother. Yep. Excuse me very much. Uh-huh. And then the thing that she knows him for most of all is the black phone of him being the villain in that uh, horror thriller TV show that she has seen several times. <laughs> and which you, which you know I have never That's watched. right. It, and and he plays a character called the Grabber, and he's shirtless and has like a mask on his face, and ha- they have like devil horns. I've seen that mask. Yeah. And that's so that's Ethan Hawke. In that. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so that's how she knew him. Because so when he shows up in that in that you know opening moment where he's walking around on the glass, she's like, "Oh, it's it's the guy from the black phone." Mm. And I was like, "Yeah, oh, it's, I, it's so weird I, that it's like these are the two these are the two villain roles that he's basically ever played, and that's what she knows him from." Okay. I have a request, however, uh, for Marvel comic uh, Marvel MCU. My my request is please stop trying to normalize bare feet. <laughs> Quit making that a thing. <laughs> I wish they would just relax with that stuff. So oh, many man. close-ups. So many close-ups on Disney Plus of the <laughs> bare feet. I don't need it. Mm. I don't need it. Mm-mm. That's no, funny. You. I, you know, usually whenever I see bare feet and I know that we're going to talk, that's something that I think about. But here it was more like the – it was almost like the Catholic guilt of, of Arthur Harrow or whatever mm-hmm. it ended up being. And I was like more clued into that. I forgot about the whole foot aspect. It's just so – it's just <laughs> – It's so unnecessary it's just, is what it is. It fills the whole screen, Eric. <laughs> It fills the whole screen for like seconds and seconds of footage. Oh. No pun intended. <laughs> Maybe I was taking notes at the time. Squirming and <laughs> flexing and just come on, not necessary, bro. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't, we don't need it. We don't need it. We get the message. Like you could show it. Like you could do the whole calf, like from the knee down, and we would get the. But why it got to be the whole? Just everything, just only the, I don't know, thank you. Yeah. Well, my kid's uh, definitely uh, on your same wavelength there. Did you, <laughs> did you go, ew? Well, she's just not a big fan. She's, she was just like, oh, when he started walking around on it, on, uh-huh. the, on the glass. But anytime there's a show with and there's feet, she's like, mm, nope. <laughs> she's a big socks all, all the time kind of girl. Right on. Yeah. So there you go. Um, but one of the first couple things that I put down, I, you know, minus the feet, I put, oh boy, I love this villain introduction. Uh, just because it was like, we knew that he was serving penance in his way for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, that'll be, that'll be really interesting to see what it is about him that he feels like he needs to atone for. And then he just sort of slips in the line that he used to be the avatar for Conchu, and i was like that's awesome like are we gonna see like a different version of moon knight versus the current iteration of moon knight mm-hmm. and that it kind of doesn't really come to pass 
Um, no, he, 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 he remains antagonistic yeah, towards Kanchu. Right. Um, I thought that the initial introduction to Steven was just wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I really loved, um, I didn't know that I was going to like when I saw the previews for this and I heard Oscar Isaac speaking in a Brit- British accent, which I know that that's mm. not how he talks. And I'm no. like, and I'm like, uh, oh, I don't know if I'm going to love this. But he, he sold it. But wow. He? I loved it. Like there was parts, Every especially uh, in the last couple episodes where he's, he's sharing the screen with himself. Yeah. And he's shifting between accents yes. and he's like just barely changing his face. And then he's, um, performing either with the accent or without. Yes. And I was like, good God, like this is really well done. Yes, 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 yes. I've got copious statements about that <laughs> face acting of his. Yeah, great, great. Um, I put in here that, and this is more of like a, a Rachel thing where I send her different British accent isms all the time. <laughs> um, but I love that he's, you know, saying bollocks and he's, uh, he's trying to order the, the steak and he doesn't know how to order it. And he just says that I'll take the best bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he really did. He used all the, <laughs> English colloquialisms, mm-hmm. like a gay us, mm-hmm. and instead of, you know, we don't say later gators to anybody in America, but, uh, and I don't know if the English do much, but, <laughs> but it sounded totally authentic. Right. To me. But he had other things that I know are English uh, specific. Right. British specific. Things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one of the first things that I, that I kind of started to be somewhat worried about is the way that music is handled in this. Hmm. So I, I think the, the opening song that they use again is the closing song, um, which is not as grating for you as I can do this all day. Uh, was I'm assuming <laughs> it's the man without love or whatever the song is called. Oh, right. Yes. Um, but it's when he's in the cupcake van and oh, yeah. he, and he keeps like shifting in and out of Mark and, and uh steven mm-hmm. it's that section where they started playing music to where i was like mm, this is a very jeremy slater bit right here like this oh. is this is what umbrella academy does uh to its fault to where it's it's got a serious scene but it's like it can't just be serious it has to be like look how cute i am don't forget that i'm cute let and me put I'm, a cute song in and it's just like and- i've i've had enough like i've i've had enough of this and when you say I'm, you mean like Jeremy Slater is saying, look yes. how cute I am? Yes. That is absolutely like a, uh, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have this really intense action scene, but ooh, look at me being cute. I'm going to make it too, set to a pop song. And it's not going to be just a current one. It's going to be one from the past. And it's the same shit that he does in Umbrella Academy, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> oh, and, and and me? Not so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, and now that you say it's a Jeremy Slater staple, mm-hmm. I I find myself not so mad at Jeremy Slater for that. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, I mean, it's not like he's cornered the market on it because Mike Flanagan does it in horror quite often uh, uh, as well. But it's see? it's just like a thing where I'm like, okay, I I I get I get the sort of juxtaposition here, guy. Like, but it's not, you love Mike Flanagan. I do. So I do usually. How come he can do it, and I, Jeremy Slater can. I do usually. The last couple series, I'm kind of like, hmm, maybe we're oh. not on the same wavelength as much as I want us to be. Oh. I love The Haunting of Hill House, but mm-hmm. everything 
since then is I've been a little bit mixed to cold on. Oh my. Yeah. Okay. Well, we won't, we won't tell Mike. That. <laughs> yeah. Keep it a secret from him, please. Don't hurt his feelings. <laughs> I'm still trying to get a job on a series. So don't, don't tell glowed, him. <laughs> glowed so brightly on Hill house. We don't want him to know that you, his star has dimmed in your eyes. That's right. Uh, so I do, I put in here that I do love stories where the character and the audience are behind the actions of the character. Meaning Maybe. like a very Jason Bourne, brainwashed, nobody knows what's happening, and we all figure it out together kind of a mm-hmm. setup. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big sucker for that. Mm-hmm. And so here, when he's, you know, he's having these transitions, which I thought were wonderfully done. Mm-hmm. The way that that's edited and, and directed, and even like the, you know, the sound effects where it's closing in on his face and then it kind of pop, 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 and then it yep. switches. Um, I think that that's really well done. I thought the whole scarab and not giving it to Arthur was it like made me cringe because I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like just give it to him then. And he's trying, <laughs> he's trying to, and he and he can't do it. And I was like very nervous for him. And his uh, body language after <laughs> Isaac pulled off so well, yes, like he really did had no control over his own arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do like that because it's like, you know, you, us as the audience, we know that he's actually trying to give it to him. But if you're Arthur and you have an idea that maybe this is the new avatar of Kanchu and he mm. looks like he's possibly just playing with you like this, mm-hmm. it's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? What an insult to me. Yes. Except I have the, I have just one major. Well, I have just one major. Um, thing that I did not understand, and mm-hmm. that is why, why did they just take it? Like, just reach out and snatch it out of his hand. What's the problem? Why, why was it so important <laughs> that he hand it to Arthur? Because Arthur was so close to it so many times. Well, isn't it? A, it's a power struggle, isn't it? It's like a power dynamic. It's like psychologically. I, yeah, like I'm not gonna reach for that. You're gonna, you're gonna give it to me. Given what Arthur was up to, <laughs> I think I, that, think I think that, that that's that what he's playing just, at. Just getting the thing would be more important than a power struggle. Well, then he does get it, but then once he gets it, he's just kind of like, eh, I don't need it anymore. Layla, you can have it. Fuck it. You know, he's <laughs> he's kind of like, I don't care. <laughs> after he, well, after it took him where he wanted yeah, after he got to, to where, go. right. But before he got where he wanted to go, he needed it. Mm-hmm. And instead of just taking it, he waited for Mark to play with him and and then snatch it away and then wake up with everybody bloody <laughs> and nobody nobody can take it. Right. Right. So I do um, some of the other notes. We're still on the first episode, by the way. It's called The Goldfish. Um, and I love the idea of uh, Mark gets or Stephen gets away. He goes back to work. And I love his whole work situation. Mm-hmm. I love his boss. I love his coworker that doesn't know his name, keeps calling him Scotty. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he might as well call him Alan because that's what I called him. Um, <laughs> he's got those sorts of struggles, and that's where you hear him say "gov" and "bruv" and all these like Britishisms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the idea that Arthur doesn't wait for Mark to come to him, for Steven to come to him, like he shows up and pushes into the hero's life. Mm-hmm. And I loved that, that it was first, it was the first episode. And all of a sudden it's like, Nope, 
that's something I want for real, for real. <laughs> like, I'm going to just come into your life and find you. And I have resources too, kind of a thing. And I yeah. love that it wasn't like a, oh, and three episodes later, then they finally meet kind of a thing. Right, right, right. Except that he comes to his job. He stands across. He stands right next to him and still doesn't take this. <laughs> he still doesn't take it. Well, he's got to he's got to uh, he's got to drop all of the exposition exposition. He's got to tell him all about who he serves now and the scales and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not enjoy. One of the things I didn't enjoy was I didn't love the Stranger Things creature um, that comes out that was like, OK, whether it's the Stranger Things or. Um, uh Oh, what the hell is the what the hell is the movie that I can't think of where they can't where they can't uh, say anything with John um, Krasinski and Emily Blunt? Something about quiet. A quiet place. A quiet place. Yes. <laughs> God, my brain is. Well, can you tell it? It's Friday, and I read a lot of scripts today to where my brain is mush today. I can't tell that, but um, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back because you know I wouldn't have watched a quiet. Well, yeah, place. you didn't watch it, but boy, you. But I'm able it out. to know such things. <laughs> We'd be a dangerous team in something like catchphrase, Alan. We have to give clues. <laughs> um. So anyway, so I didn't enjoy that creature that looked like a quiet place, the creature from there, or like the Stranger Things uh, Demogorgon sort of things. Um, it just looked like generic creature that was chasing him around, and I didn't love that. To um, me, no, 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 no. See, now, okay, I didn't watch any of the trailers, as you know. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have. But I could imagine that they would put that creature chasing him in a trailer mm-hmm. because <clears throat> my first impression of that thing was that it was a werewolf. And if we're going to be in a Mar- oh. a, moon, a Moon Knight series, he's got to fight a werewolf because that's how he was introduced in Marvel Comics. So I thought it was a werewolf, but then he called, but then Stephen called it what it was as a jackal kind of thing. Yeah, it just looked but, like um, it just looks like every sort of creature design that I see in the last few years to me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't love that, but it, but it didn't. I thought that that was going to be like you know, because like I said, I didn't know anything about the series or anything about the villains or anything about anything going into mm-hmm. this. So I thought that maybe that was like Arthur's tool that he used, and that's how him and moon knight fought you know like he was the uh, he was the brains he was the lex luther type and then he just sent off this jackal looking thing to fight him well that's and that's true well okay yeah um, but but not in the comics just in this series yeah and so i was like oh maybe this is a some main character that i just don't know you know and so that was kind of like i was giving some of the uh, the moments that I didn't love, I was kind of given it the benefit of that of the doubt because I was like, well, I mean, maybe this is based on something original, and that's why it has to be in here. The, well, if if so, then for me, it's the visuals rather than the content mm. that that he that Moon Knight is going to have to fight some kind of wolfen looking thing. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But but can can we back up just a little bit about some of the structure of of um, just introducing Stephen. Absolutely. Because first of all, the Stephen Grant of the comics was is most definitely not the Stephen Grant of this series. Oh, okay. Tell me. The Stephen Grant of the comics is uh is like the Bruce Wayne. He he is the whoa million- what? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Stephen Grant in the comics is the persona of Moon Knight, who is like the Bruce Wayne of Batman. 
Stephen Grant in the comics is the rich guy who wears tuxedos and has all the monetary resources to fund Moon Knight's whole campaign. Oh, and is that why his suit looks like that then? No. Because it's like a white suit? But no. (laughs) No, that's not why his suit looks like that. You know, maybe this is why Moon Knight doesn't make any goddamn sense and has like 15 (laughs) different volumes of it. (laughs) So tell me, so Mr. Grant... Yeah, so Stephen Grant is a is a rich um, playboy millionaire, except he's not so much of a playboy like Bruce Wayne is, because mm-hmm. from the beginning of Moon Knight's inception, he had been hooked up with uh, Marlene, is the name of his love interest in the comics. Okay. If you take Layla's story and put a blonde wig on her and make her American – that's Marlene in the comics. Okay. So Stephen Grant has Marlene always on his arm and being his conscience and saying, but you can't do this, but you must do that, but this, that, the other thing. So that's Stephen Grant. Stephen Grant is, in the comics is a lot more adroit and a lot more competent than our lovely English Stephen Grant of the series. And so when when was Stephen Grant around? Is that a recent thing, or is that like a? Oh no! From from after they gave Moon Knight his own um, story, uh, when he wasn't just Moon Knight fighting and chasing after werewolf by night, mm-hmm. um, they established that he had these three personas that he would um, shift back and forth from to carry out a mission or a um, a goal that Moon Knight had. So you would. You would need Stephen Grant to put him in, in position in certain places in society. And then you would need Jake Lockley to drive a cab and get somewhere or get some information from the streets. And then you would need Mark Spector to kick some ass or get some ornaments, um, uh, armaments to um, to whatever. And then you would have Moon Knight just kind of put on his white robes and things and cowl uh-huh. and, and fly his copter or have Frenchie fly his copter. Now who and, the shit is Jake? So he shows up in the last episode in the little behind, you know, the little last bit. Yeah. And you see Conchu in, uh, the back of the limo. Yeah. And then you see this persona that you're talking about, who's apparently yeah. the rowdiest, Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and we get the same sort of implication that we got in the Hawkeye deal with uh, Echo and Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Where we get the old gunshot action. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so my wife looks at me and she's like, who the hell's that? And I go, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what you that's is I didn't pick up on some things. When I first watched it, but I damn sure picked up on them the second time around. Plus, I had a friend of um, our old haunt, uh, 11 o'clock comics, Keith Cunningham, who at, right after Moon Knight had ended back on the live watching, uh, he hits me up. I hit him up and we trade like, ooh, this happened and that happened, this and that and other thing. And he brought that to my attention back then, and then I most definitely saw it this time. Jake Lockley shows up 
earlier than that scene. Okay, so wait a minute. So there's a there's and maybe I have it in my notes that's a later scene, but and maybe I don't, but there's a moment where I I distinctly paused it and turned to my wife and I go, What the hell's going on? <laughs> and she's <laughs> like she goes, I don't know, because Steven and uh Mark are both mm-hmm claiming like they didn't have anything to do with something that just happened exactly and so yes. then when the and and i get that it's character specific because i'm a, on hoopla right now and i'm looking at this this countdown to dark collection of moon knights okay. um and it's got jake with the with the cabbie hat or the taxi driver hat or whatever they're called yes and, and a mustache and i don't i don't love that look i don't love that look but i get to i get based on this cover how there's the three of them, and I can see one that's more Bruce Wayne-esque, and I yes. see a blonde, and then I see Moon Knight kneeled over and a question mark over these three heads. Okay, so the the Bruce Wayne one is Stephen Grant. Uh-huh, and then we got the Mark because one... he's the angry one with the gun. Yes, and the guy with the hat and the mustache is Jake Lockley. Okay. But listen, every time the episodes went off and the credits came up, and you got Oscar Isaac's name. How many faces did you see in in that? Yeah, there was speech? it was three. It was a cutaway of three. Like it was one Always of those where three. once it once it came back up, I was like, oh wait, it is mm-hmm. just telling you that it's three of them. <laughs> that's right. It is just telling you that. Well, and, that's how you know that it's well done though, because it's like right in front of your face, and you're not yes. picking up on it because you're looking at other things. Exactly. And so every time that, um. He's that if it wasn't Steven, it was Mark when they blacked out and woke up and everybody was killed or mm-hmm. knocked out mm-hmm. every single time that happened. When he comes to when he comes to, he's confused. So when when Steven was confused, you would think as a viewer that Mark took over. Right. But when when Mark was confused. Like when when it was. Oh, yes, yes. Fighting the Egyptians. Right. Right before he brought the uh, the younger one to the cliff edge to get information about where Harrow was, Mark woke up and was confused. Mm -hmm. And everybody was knocked out or bloody or whatever. That's because Jake took over. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So that happened in Egypt then, and that was in like the second episode or the third episode. It happened... um, when Moon Knight was Moon Knight and and Stephen and Mark were both um, in charge and they had made an agreement. Yes, we will do this and I'll be Mr. Knight and you'll be Moon Knight and we'll kick ass. But they were being overwhelmed. And then he got knocked out again and woke up and everybody was taken care of. And then that's when, as you mentioned, Stephen and Mark didn't know who did it. That was Jake. Hmm. But I'll say this in the in the fifth episode, when he at, so at the end of the fourth episode, he shot and killed uh-huh. dead, 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 dead. And he wakes up in a sanitarium mm-hmm. and then the viewer is now made to question, has any of this been real? Or has he always been in delusions and, and there's no moon night? There's no 
Cairo, Egypt, there's no anybody, that he has taken all the people in the sanitarium and cast them in his mind as the, quote, organizing principle, unquote, um, in this adventure of his. But actually, he's in a sanitarium and he's on medication and he's having a psychotic break and all that stuff. When he is brought into Harrow's office and it's now Dr. Harrow mm -hmm. and, and Dr. Harrow is trying to tell him what is reality, what is not reality, he will he, – he was marked for, the, for most of that. But there's a couple of times where he takes a kind of Brooklynish accent. Yes, I did notice he, that, yeah. And he calls Dr. Harrow Doc. Uh-huh. And one corner of his mouth kind of turns up or pinches down. That's Jake. Hmm. As far as I'm concerned, and they don't make it clear, but that's Jake. Because when he does that transition or when just the scene comes from back to uh, back to him in the, in the in the office, he's all bloodied up with a bandage over his nose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Dr. Harrow says, is that why? Well, whatever, whatever, you're doing this, you're doing that, you don't believe this, you don't believe that. Is that why you're causing so many fights in the mm -hmm. hospital? Mm -hmm. The person that was causing fights was Jake. So the person that got bloodied up was Jake. And every once in a while, any time that that – when Mark is in that office talking to the doctor and calls him Doc, uh -huh. that, guy, that guy is Jake. So oh, – Oh, one more thing, one more thing. Mm -hmm. When he leaves the doctor's office, when he makes a little bit of an escape and he's going in the corridors, um, when Mark is going in the corridor by himself and he's going in rooms and he's looking and he sees one sarcophagus and in that sarcophagus is his Stephen persona and he frees Stephen and Stephen comes out and hugs him. And now Stephen and Mark are in a reality together. Uh -huh. they, they both open up a new door and in that new door is another sarcophagus with somebody inside that's not talking. And they leave that mm. and they don't open that. That's up. right before the hippo shows up, right? Yes. Inside that sarcophagus was okay. Jake. Ah, okay. It is making a lot of sense. And one of the things that I know that um I did see that Oscar Isaac had had stated, and sometimes when actors or writers or whatever talk about a series, you don't know how much do they believe, believe, or how much are they trying to sell the show, or, you know, whatever. Um, one of the things that he talked about was this was essentially Marvel's first character study since Iron Man. To where that's what he viewed this season as, as just a look at who Mark Spector and his different personas are. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, like, this is the closest to... Oh yeah, no, that's just Moon Knight. Uh, when I look at Oscar Isaac in this sort of, um, arena, I guess, you know, it's not mm -hmm. like I think that he's, uh, Apocalypse. I'm not gonna confuse Oscar <laughs> Isaac for Apocalypse. But I, I just think of that and I'm like, oh no, this is exactly who Moon Knight is to me. So then when I would go and, and now, you know, read these other books, it's like I would read them the way that, Oscar Isaac performed them the way that they've tried to retroactively do that with Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, mm. um, just to kind of make it have that same sort of um, vocal styling that that Tony has, that Robert Downey Jr. has with his uh, humor that you know that I don't care for. <laughs> um, 
So I don't know. I just thought that this was like such a good job as a character mm-hmm. uh, to where I was really, really impressed with him and the choices that they made to really dig into what makes this character unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love the whole Batman-esque stuff. And I'm assuming that that is a, a conscious choice on the creator's parts to try to distance them th- themselves because of the look being just a contrast of Batman. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the ne'er-do-wells and the naysayers call Moon Knight Marvel's Batman. Ah, okay. Like a white, like a white Batman, basically, is what yeah. it looks like, right? I yeah, mean, obviously now, the headset, the headdress is different, but... Yeah, but now there's a whole um, a groundswell of a character called Nemesis from another comic company that looks like a big white Batman. Hmm. So uh, they just need to let um, these comparisons go. <laughs> I guess. I guess. So yeah, the last thing I wanted to say about the first episode, I put strong ending, very intrigued, not many real issues. That's a pretty goddamn good first episode. <laughs> um, so my when you were, when you were mentioning his job, yeah. Um, one thing that jumped out at me when he comes into the, the back room is that his boss, who really got on my nerves right quick. Oh, I loved her. <laughs> <laughs> she was just such a – so mean and just so respectful but she had him move a box full of stuffed what were they do you remember oh uh, no because i know that it was something that was egypt based because that yes. was his that was his field of study but no i they, didn't i didn't catch it they were hippopotamuses ah uh, okay see i will say did I, you I, see i'll say i didn't love it when the hippo showed up <laughs> there was but, some parts where i'm just like what the fuck is going on now well, that's exactly what the audience is supposed to uh, Well, yeah. You're, I mean, that's true. Um, some of the but quotes. It was, but some, it was telegraphed, though. They, that's true. They showed it early in the first episode. There's, there is an Egyptian god that looks like a hippopotamus. They showed us in a, little, in a whole box full of little plushies. So I guess I think that the main takeaway for me is, like, like what they did or not, like the choices that they made or not, you can't say that it's not well made. Right? right? Like, like, the show is well done. You can't say that it's like, oh, this is sloppily this, this, this. No. Like, they made exactly the show that they wanted to make, it seems like to me. Uh, it's just a matter of if you fully buy into some of the, some of the, either the creatures or the visuals or some of the, the plot, cho- the plot choices that they make. Yeah. So. Cause there's, there's a few other things that they borrowed from the comics. And I cannot wait to tell you. Okay. So some of the quotes from the girls, um, mm-hmm. the first one after the first episode was they both turned to me and they said, can we watch more? Uh, <laughs> Anna, when we get the first Moon Knight uh, look and he's beating the werewolf jackal looking thing. Yes. Um, and, it, you know, it ends on that cliffhanger. She goes, she's like, this is good. <laughs> and uh... was sort of like surprised, right? Um, and they were, they were both very nervous during the chase uh, to the bathroom, Yeah, you know, to where they're, yeah, I'm looking at both of them and they both are like, you know, hands near their faces and stuff like that. Because we cared, we came to care about Stephen Grant. Exactly. Because he was so charmingly British. Yeah. And, and, um, kind of feckless. Yeah. And talking to his mom, loving Mm -hmm. his mom. Mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. painful later, but loving his mom. 
Yes. Um, I do. Moving into to episode two, this is summon the suit. Uh, I do love when they're looking at the video and and his friend is like, "Are you crying?" And he goes, "A bit, a bit." <laughs> it's stuff like that. And I put that the girls are loving this because <laughs> oh. I'm watching them and they were just all about it. Um, again, I I noticed and commented on the British isms. I put I I'm loving everything about this. Mm. Um, <laughs> it was them planning or he uh, it's just little things like the soup is very good, yeah, lovely that he says. Um, mm. it's just the little yeah, lovelies and idnit and all that sort of the British stuff is what yeah. really was was charming to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, I I thought that the the first like real fight in in mm. the second episode. Uh, was great. I thought that that was really well done, and I'm usually pretty critical about the actual fights, but you know that it's when the jackal's chasing him and he uh, is, you know, in the actual suit and he's running and it's sort of Matrix styled where he's on the roof um, and it's chasing him and he sort of uh, jumps and then is able to throw it on the sp- on the big spire or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that that stuff was all really good. And that's in the second episode. Uh, isn't that the second episode, or is that the first episode? No, yeah, it's the yeah, it's the second episode. Yeah, so I thought Lots that was of really action. Good. Yeah, and then I do like that we get uh, the introduction of Layla toward the end on the phone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still something I want to say from episode one. Yeah, go ahead. The golden um, statue guy in the in the fountain that Stephen mm. would go and and pour out some of his heart to right yes mm-hmm. that that was the dead ringer for a character in the comics called crawley okay who is one of the confidants of jake lockley oh okay when jake lockley is hitting the streets and he's getting clues and he's i need to find this person who is that where do i go Show me, tell me this and that. And the other thing, Crawley was a major feed of information for him, and he looked 100% like the actor, except with all the gold. Take all that gold paint off, and that's who that is. Hmm. So he doesn't. I think he calls him Crawley one time at the fountain, but that actor shows back up again when we're in the sanitarium. He's the oh act, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, he's the one calling Bingo. Right, yeah, and. Mark identifies him by name as Crawley when mm. he says, um, so this is an organizing principle. I'm in a hospital. I'm, we're crazy, and that's the reason why we're in a hospital. And when I open these doors, I'm going to open them, open, and Crawley is going to be calling bingo. So ah. that's, dia- that's dialogue. So that character is Crawley. The other thing I want to say, and this might take just a minute, but I got to say it because I did this before with uh with andrew in the phone when when steven finds the phone in the first episode and he starts to learn there's something else going on in my life um there's hidden things that's happening i don't know who put this phone in here in my flat but here's a phone and he's going through the missed calls Mm -hmm. and all the calls say layla except one call Uh that that one call says Duchamps, D-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. That's the last name of the other supporting character in the comics called Frenchie. Okay. 
Hachi is um, in the comics as his like valet, pilot, uh, man in arms buddy. So he has Lean, he has Crawley, and he has uh, Frenchie. Okay, so each one of them have a little buddy. Yes, yes. Now I want to say this. So so Frenchie is Moon Knight's um, kind of partner. He's the guy that's flying the moon copter. He's got the ordinances. He's he he's down with Moon Knight. So Moon Knight has Frenchie. Stephen Grant has Marlene. Um, Jake Lockley has Crawley. And there's who's left. That's it. Okay, so that. Now, back when Daredevil was running um, live, in season two of Daredevil, episode 10, Elektra was leaving New York, and in a, in a big airplane hangar, she gets sweet-talked by a man who calls himself Jacques Duchamps. Ah. And that was years ago, right? And when he came on the screen... Jock Duchamps in a hangar with a plane. I could not wait, and I instantly texted Andrew Shaw, and I said, <laughs> Frenchie is in Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> Frenchie is in Daredevil. Frenchie is in Daredevil. Moon Knight's going to happen in the MCU because Frenchie is in Daredevil because they used Duchamps. And you know what Andrew told me? Hmm. Andrew told me Frenchie's name is Jean-Paul Duchamps, not Jacques Duchamps. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> and then, and then, and then Andrew said, maybe this is Frenchie's brother. <laughs> oh. Because Electra kills him. <laughs> oh right. Okay. Electra killed that guy. Because this so, is when uh, this is when Matt's got a slightly different haircut, right, to indicate that he's much younger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so now in my head canon, Jacques Duchamp's Frenchie's brother was killed by Electra years ago, and now his brother Jean Paul Duchamp's called his friend Mark Spector to get him to give revenge or help him find some kind of justice for his brother's death, and he never picked up the phone because he was Stephen Grant. Mm. He didn't need the revenge that bad, though. He only called him once. Only once, that's all. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's in trouble. Now we'll find out in season two. Yeah, we could. Well, we could find out in uh, a lot of stuff that's potentially coming up. True. So now we can go to episode two. Okay, so yeah, episode two is the summon the suit, and this is when we, uh, this is when we get a, a glimpse of of uh what well, what do you call him does he have a different name this uh this little fancy man moon knight yes yes and and i thought it was so clever the way that they uh incorporated that suit version of moon knight because like in this in this episode steven is coming to understand that there's another persona that's running his life named Mark and Mark does these kind of heroic things. And Steven's like, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not going to do that <laughs> And <laughs> until he was forced to do that. And Layla kept telling him because Layla already had knowledge. Layla, in fact, is married to Mark. Well, and I loved Layla from the beginning, especially when she's like, we're, you know, we're clear. You can stop the accent. 
Yes, yes. She's married to Mark, but she did not know that Mark had dissociative identity disorder. So she had no idea that Stephen existed. Stephen had no idea that Mark or Layla existed. So when when Layla catches up to to her, who she thinks is Mark, she encounters Stephen instead. And Stephen is getting to know Layla. And Layla is like, you can, yeah, what you just said. You can drop the accent because I'm looking at Mark. You're Mark. You're my husband, Mark. <laughs> yeah, Steven she's serving not, him divorce papers and the whole thing. Yeah, that's that Mark requested, by the way, mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to push her away from him because he's getting into some deep shit. Steven is deciding, um, let, let's go with this because I know who Harrow is and I know he wants this scarab and, I, and it's not good stuff because I watched him kill somebody in the Alps. And so he has to be stopped in some way. And Harrow has two of his people pick Stephen up and take him to this little like commune section of of England. And he has him surrounded and they now want that scarab. And again, instead of Harrow just reaching out and snatching it or right <laughs> or having his people hold him and reach through his clothes and take it, he wants he wants Stephen to just hand it to him for some power struggle or whatever. I guess it's not that important. But <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted a dog pile on him and someone just to remove it from his clutches. Just take the goddamn thing and go about your business. <laughs> what is all this cat and mouse going on? But, but the cat and mouse led to um, Stephen in trouble, Layla coming up and rescuing him. Because he knows what she knows where Mark is going to be because she uh, has a trace on his phone. So she shows up and and helps him because she has the scarab. Mark doesn't have I mean, Stephen doesn't have the scarab. Mark mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. I mean, Layla does. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then and then when everybody's chasing them and they go up into some rafters and some kind of loft in one of these buildings in this commune, in this neighborhood, they they have to well they don't have to separate but Harrow sends another one of those jackals after them, and Layla gives the scarab to to Stephen, and Stephen is now being chased by the jackal and the jackal yeets him out of a, a window, <laughs> and because Layla kept telling him some in, some the, in suit, the suit yeah some in the suit become Moon Knight, whip this thing's ass, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen only heard some in the suit. So when <laughs> Stephen is falling to his death and decides, okay, let me give it up. Let me give the power over to Mark. Let me summon the suit. Stephen summons a literal suit. Mm-hmm. With a big is, white face. Yes. With, so it, it's, it's, a, it's not the Moon Knight suit. It is, and in the comics, it, he is called Mr. Knight. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, that's kind of clever. Yeah, because in the comics, I cannot tell you why Mister Knight exists. I have no, I have no so idea. Now, this is when this is a Warren Ellis thing, I believe. Isn't this a Warren Ellis and, and Declan Shelby uh, oh, creation? Well, Declan Shelby came up with a costume for Moon Knight that is like mostly black with white um, accents. Oh, okay. It's awesome. It was. To my recollection, it's Greg Smallwood. Oh, so it's during the Jeff Lemire stuff. Yeah, may have drawn the first Mister Knight. Oh, okay. Well, may have. Like I, I said, I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna rent all these 
uh, rent, which sounds so weird to say I'm renting different comic stuff, uh, but I'm going to borrow them and I'll be uh, catching up. So, Mr. Shaw and everyone else that's listening, going, no, you're getting it wrong. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll figure it out soon. If Mr. Shaw could have been with us. Today, yeah, well, so he was super be busy. Correcting us. Yeah, that's right. He'll be. Yeah, he was just saying that we're wrong about everything. Um, <laughs> so this episode was also. Uh, this is um, directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. And do you know who they are, Alan? I think they are the ones that did those series of weird little movies <laughs> yes. that you love. Yes. And <clears> so maybe this the is... first three were connected, and this yeah. last one that they made is not connected. Yes, sir. So these are um, these are the directors of some very, very low-budget horror movies that, mm-hmm. as Alan just said, are very odd. Um, and they're sort of like – there's like uh, almost like H.P. Lovecraft type stuff to where they don't go with just the very simple like, oh, a creaky door kind of a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the movies is called The Endless, uh, if that oh. gives you kind of an idea. Um, and it's very sort of, I guess, for lack of a better term, it's like intellectual horror, mm-hmm. uh, to where it's all about like, uh, you know, one of the one of the things is these people being in two different places at once, or this cult that's after somebody. And um, in 2019, they did a movie called Synchronic that had Anthony Mackie in it. Uh, they mm-hmm. also directed the. Uh, they directed one of the two of the episodes of uh, Archive 81, which is another kind of sci-fi horror show that was on Netflix. Uh, their most recent film was Something in the Dirt, uh, which again is a pretty low budget, but very sort of like you sit back and you don't know what's going to happen next kind of a movie because these guys do not uh, play really well with traditional structure, which is kind of what I like about them. Okay. Is you you watch it and you don't you're not like oh this is clearly set up to be this in a couple of scenes, and so I thought it was really interesting that they were doing Moon Knight because that's sort of what I was getting out of that first episode, uh, where it's you know it's not a show that I can easily predict, mm-hmm. and so I was like oh perfect for these guys, and then they are the uh, directors of season two of Loki. Okay. Uh, which okay. is again another one where I'm like sounds great like it's a very sort of what the fuck is happening kind of a show um so so anyway i just okay. wanted to, to shout them out and the uh and we'll get to the the uh the director that did the rest of the uh the, the series but they did two of the episodes uh and the rest was right. all directed by a different gentleman but uh so yeah i liked i liked this episode because i i liked how we get the mr knight character we get the different fighting style we get the sort of lack of confidence uh we get the the character that's not there to the audience yeah which is a fun little fight um and i just thought that all of those little touches just showing how different they are i just thought that that proved how uh good oscar isaac is and sort of like that this is going to be quite a journey that we're going to go on in just six episodes is what I started thinking out of the second one door. I was like, oh shit, there's a second Moon Knight costume, and who knows what's going on with Ethan Hawke. And I was like, this is going to be uh, quite the thing that's got to be you know, put together in short order. Um, but yeah, I, d- I just wanted to, to restate how much I l- really enjoy Layla in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she's great, because she is believably a partner for both of them. 
Yes. You know, because they give her the moment that they share about her and Stephen quoting French poetry. And then you also see her being a freaking badass to where she's taking care of business and to where you're like, oh, yeah, I can see what Mark would would like in her. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, so and, I like I like both of that. And later there'll be detail on how Mark even came to know who she was. Oh, so right. Yeah. Yeah. When he encounters her, you can imagine he sees her in action or he just hears her or can fall in love with her easily. Mm hmm. It, given his own life, and it just happened to be circumstantial that she is the daughter of a guy who he brought a murderer to, and uh, he lost his life because of Mark's involvement. Yeah, and we get a whole lot of, like, later on we get a whole lot of who can she trust? Can she trust yeah. this Arthur guy, or can she even trust her husband? And what right. and with his mental state, not only, you know, because she's mad at him or whatever, but can she trust him to tell the truth? Because does he even know? Right. So, so yeah, I mean, so that's basically episode two, unless you had anything else about that one. Uh, just no, that that fact that Stephen, when 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 Mark is Moon Knight, he is all Egyptianed up in Moon Knight. Mm -hmm. But when Steven is Moon Knight. He's Mr. Knight. Right. Yeah, I loved, I thought that was super duper clever. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, so episode three, this is the friendly type. And this is when Mark and Layla go to Cairo and they, they um, come upon Anton Mogart or Mogart maybe. Uh. Uh, but this is when they're like, they've got the horses and such. And yeah. they have the character mission of I don't steal, which was a interesting thing um, that one of the one of our our main characters state. Um, there's let's see, there's a lot of what does this say? I type my notes. Uh, Do you not type your notes? Well, it's usually really dark when I'm writing this, so sometimes I can't. <laughs> hardly... Well, episode three started with Layla getting her passport from some. Oh some some uh oh, right. <laughs> that's what this and, is I put... and she's t she's telling her you know we're getting their back we're getting her backstory ish mm -hmm. while she's taking a picture for the, the thing and the confidant is saying be careful and your father this and he, i miss him and all that stuff yeah i put man there's a lot of overhead that comes with forgery because all of this <laughs> machinery and all of this equipment that this forger had and I'm like, geez, like this is all stuff that this woman had to buy or come across just to make this one little passport for this person. No, 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 because one of the, some of that banter is that her, that Layla's father got that equipment for her. Hmm. I didn't see. I didn't hear that. I remember that. Okay. Well, regardless, I was like, look at all this freaking work. Thank God for Photoshop. <laughs> look at all of this different stuff she had to do. But she she reveals. I mean, it's revealed to us that she's like the Indiana Jones of the MCU. Yeah, that was interesting. Get that get that stuff back from people who took it the first time. Uh, I put so this is also the episode where we have the the first meeting of all of the avatars. Yes. Uh, to where Khonshu is pissing them off for the last time, kind of a thing. Yeah. So yeah, and that's called the Ennead that that um 
Stephen told us about in the first episode when her when his boss was being a witch with a capital B. He was he because he has that fascination with Egyptian stuff. He knows Egyptian stuff. He wants to be more than just a shop uh, shop guy. And his boss is holding him down, will not allow him to be his full knowledgeable self in Egyptian lore. And he and he, he tells he's trying to tell her about the Ennead. But so the Ennead is this council of Egyptian gods, evidently. But it's not all of them. Yeah, it's not all of them. Um, right, because some of the Egyptian gods are already locked away. They've already been imprisoned for some reason. So you just have like, like six, six or seven of them. And so they're they're this, having this big, um, I guess they've been called. Yes. Because Harrow wants to resurrect or free Amit. Right. Amit. Amit is the god that is one judge people before they do wrong. He, she uh, gives Harrow power to, um, I guess, to prejudge hold, everybody, prejudge them. And if I, I guess it's Amit, the god, if the person's soul or yeah, I guess it's their soul has a bad past. Or has not been. I don't think it's justifiable. So well, I can't. I can't this is where it, it became well like. Enough. This is where it was like Civil War Two slash Minority Report type stuff. Uh, yes, exactly. Yes. To where yep. the, I was like, okay, I this I'm losing the thread somewhat because we have like variations of the same thing to where Kanchu has Moon Knight to basically be like a personal Avenger sort of a thing, yeah. right? Yep. And then we have this other group that, or this other, um, Arthur's would be, he wants to be the avatar for this other, um, Egyptian god, and they want to prejudge everybody. Yeah, that Egyptian god's name is Amit. Amit, okay. Amit, and Amit, it looks like a crocodile. Um, we see the crocodile, um, image on his, um, walking stick. Right. And and when he's judging somebody, he puts the walking stick in between his hands and it kind of rocks. And so the reason why it rocks is because the crocodile head is in his palm and the stick part is hanging down. And it, it it's a measure of judging somebody. And if they're found wanting, they die right on the spot. Right. Yeah. And so that's not OK, because the person didn't do anything yet, but they're dead now because. Amit said, you're not righteous, so you're, you, you shouldn't be alive. You die. And that's the moral um, no-no that Stephen saw and Mark has been all has already been trying to stop. Mm -hmm. And this is this is part of where the series started to lose me a little bit was that I it's sort of like your issue with the celestials and the gods and all of that. To where I'm, I'm watching it and I'm kind of like, uh, okay, so we have these gods and they're going to prejudge this, but the other one's going to reactively judge. Yeah. And it's like, and to what end, though? Yeah, and that, that, is, that is a big um, bugaboo for me because yeah. who, what are these things? <laughs> yeah, exactly, are, right. Are they really gods, gods? Or they're are like they... Thor-level gods or they're celestial-level gods? I'm right. guessing they're not because... 
celestials are in the space, so that means they have to be bigger than the ones that are on Earth, right? Yeah, and yeah. they have all these limitations. Like Kanchu right. yeah. himself can't do anything without an avatar. He, yep. it, it doesn't seem like Kanchu can just beat up somebody who did wrong. He has to have somebody that he swears into his service, and he empowers that person. That person has been Mark, and before Mark was evidently Harrow. But Kanchu can't do it himself. And and Amit can't do it unless Harrow is, I guess, holding their hands or, <laughs> or something. Yeah, and then they're also very easily um, trapped in little, yes. like, clay figurines. <laughs> Just yeah. like, you're that strong, but yet... <laughs> yeah, <this> little... <laughs> well, that's what that Ennead is about, right? right they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they had to cast a spell to put you in that little... Um, figurine. Yeah, my note about that was this: the, the, whole, the whole meetings of the avatars. That for me felt like a season two thing. Like I wanted just to enjoy the Mark and Stephen of it. Mm. And once we get, once we get this sort of grander stuff, I'm like, I don't know about that so much. Yeah, because that now takes you into the big superhero of it all. The mm-hmm. the big threats. The big the big unit, the cosmology of the MCU. And I just had to, in my second viewing, I had to just fold it into my understanding of the MCU. So you have celestials, you have Asgardians, you have Egyptian gods. Um, they're bigger than humans. They have bigger powers than superheroes, but they're limited in some way. And they still need us either to believe in them or to fight for them or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that this uh, once one of the things that's not about the gods is when they get to this Anton character and they start and we get this nice little fight. Um, I put this MF and Abercrombie model is what (laughs) is how I described Anton. Um, But I liked this this cross cutting between the different fight moments where we have moon knight and he's getting his ass handed to him and i was like okay like he's not just this unbeatable unstoppable thing and i love the vulnerability when it comes out in in superhero stuff like this uh so i liked that and then but i did put in here that this series is about male ego like if everyone would have just talked instead of like blowing (laughs) up shit underneath this uh underneath this like circus tent looking thing you know and he's and he's like making the he's like making the different folds and then they blow up the sarcophagus or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, well, the stars and all that. Yeah, no, that's that's because the there was a second MacGuffin. Right, yeah, right, right. <laughs> so the first the first MacGuffin is uh, Amit to begin with, and and um, just trying to find Amit. So it's that the 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 scarab, the scarab would lead Harrow to Amit's tomb. That's why he wanted the scarab so bad, because if he goes to Amit's tomb, he can he can find something that will help release her. Well, he's on his way to get there, and he after he gets the scarab, because that fight between the the jackal and Mister Knight and Moon Knight and Mark and Stephen, mm-hmm. he he loses the scarab in the street. So Harold just picks it up. And now he's got the scarab. So now he can find the tomb and he's on his way there. Mark and Layla now wants to get to the tomb to stop Harrow, but they don't know how to get there. And in that meeting, um, 
one of the gods, one of the gods' avatars, tells Mark, you can get to the tomb if you find MacGuffin number two. And that's why they meet this Abercrombie model, because the Abercrombie model is massively rich, bored, <laughs> and, and does things to excite him. And one of those things is jousting on a horse, and the other thing is collecting MacGuffins. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Slowly jousting on the horse, too. <laughs> yes. He like took his sweet time when they're jousting, and I'm like, this is very much like Disney or Marvel's insurance being do not harm someone else. <laughs> Just do this in like quarter speed. <laughs> yes. And and Layla knows him for some reason. She has history here in Cairo. She's from Cairo. Yes. She is Egyptian. She's an Egyptian to... hero, we find out yes. later, right? Yes. Uh her name is beautifully Egyptian. I cannot pronounce it, but it's like it's uh, I wrote Layla Abdallah El Foley, mm-hmm. and her father's name was Abdullah. Abdullah. So I guess her middle name is a female version of her father's first name. Okay. And I do going- know that that May, and I won't try her last name. Um, she is uh, Egyptian born. She's, yeah, and the and the directors or are the producers or somebody. Big creative people behind this whole series are Egyptian. Yeah, Mohamed Diab is the director of most of these, except for the ones that we mentioned. And yeah, he's an Egyptian director. Yeah, so uh, their influence over the series was strong for re- Egyptian representation, and that's why this is that's why Layla is Layla and not Marlene. Right. Yes. Right. Right. right and okay. I'm not. And I'm not mad. Yeah, we don't need that. another blonde woman in the MCU, do we? Okay. <laughs> Except for Sue. Give me now some Sue blonde. Sue, but... Sue and Karen Page. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's all I need. Sue and Karen Page. Well, Karen Page, she's not blonde. She's red. No. Karen Page is a blonde. I'm talking about in the Netflix, Marvel, and soon-to-be Disney versions, she is of, a redhead. Of which? <laughs> of what? Of the actress what in real life is redhead. <laughs> Is she really? Yeah. Well, the character was blonde. She's blonde on the television screen. Yeah. Yep. She well in like uh, in when she's in like True Blood, she's very uh, red. Oh, okay. And she's a well, uh, she's a big D and D D and D person. Yeah. Yes. Deborah Ann Wool. Uh huh. She ran a whole D and D campaign that I didn't watch because I had to pay for it, and I'm like, girl, <laughs> I, I like you, but I, I don't like you that much. I mean, uh, a brother got to pay rent. <laughs> right. Well, you you out in Hollywood making that Hollywood money, I can't afford to fund that life. That's I need right. to pay my rent. So, so I one one love, of the love you, girl. I would love to watch you, girl, but I can't. I can't contribute financially to your to your life. There, That's girl. right. One of the uh, I think this is this probably also has one of the more visually engaging moments, right? With the end of this episode, with the turning back of the time and. And getting to see uh, Conchu and and Moon Knight working together and all of that. Mm-hmm. Because the MacGuffin number two was a map of the stars, and that that map of the stars was from two thousand years ago. So Conchu had to turn the night sky back two thousand years. And was going to get in trouble. Got in trouble because he made this big show, and that was revealing what gods are to the normal people and mm-hmm. the Ennead is like, don't do that. That's yeah, you not, can't do that. Don't do that. Okay, if you do something like that, we're going to imprison you. 
and he did something like that, and they imprisoned him. Yeah, he was like, bet. <laughs> you won't. That's <laughs> what he was like. <laughs> yeah, my wife, my wife, she put uh, pretty ballsy of Kanju to just be like, yeah, here they are. They're gods. <laughs> this is what we can do. <laughs> and I, that's, that was massive to me. And that's new MCU um, cosmology because okay. he doesn't do anything like that in the, in the comic books. Gotcha. So that's, Our, well, actually I'm wrong. He did do something like that in the comic books. He, he made a whole reality where the Egyptian um, um, culture took over New York. Oh, okay. At one time, and and Mark, as Moon Knight was stumbling through that world, and thought that he was having a psychotic break, but it was Kanchu all along. So mm. I guess yeah, MCU Kanchu can do big, 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 big things. The problem with the, that idiot was when he did that. Everybody saw that, mm-hmm. right? So that's a problem. And yeah. I, I'm imagining if everybody saw that in in Egypt, then everybody saw that are all over the world. The whole planet must have been spinning, or it just seemed like that sky it's, was happening. Yeah, too big of a scope for it just to be in Egypt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's that was an Eniad's problem. They're like, we're hiding. We're like, we're we're chilling. Yeah, Don't, we're gods and we're all powerful, but we're secret. <laughs> Don't show okay. everybody what we can do. So you, so now you go in the stone. Yeah, yeah. Now you're captured in the little uh, paperweight. And that meant that Mark no longer had any Moon Knight powers. Mark, yeah. Neither did Stephen. They were they were just normal folk. Now. Which I was kind of like, well, I mean, the only thing that he was really missing was the the healing aspect because he's you know he's still a mercenary, like he's still capable. Yes. Steve, you know, Stephen's pretty goofy and wouldn't be able to. <laughs> fight himself out of a bag but mark he was fine yeah yeah so, as far as yeah. as far as like taking but, care of himself in general you know but what did we find out <laughs> we found out that he was not bullet resistant <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> that is yes and that leads us to episode four in episode four five and six you can listen to next week as alan and i are joined by mr andrew shaw the biggest moon knight fan that we know joins us for another full-length episode as we uh, conclude season one and a discussion on moon knight so if you have any comments for the show you could email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com if you wanted to help out the show a little bit you could check out our show notes or you'll find the link to our amazon wish list i do want to thank mr new mutant himself mr alan white for coming on if people wanted to get in contact with him or uh, purchase something from him you could find him over at twitter he's at new mutant uh, he's also over at uh, instagram just search for new mutant over there and you'll find him and then if you wanted to, ha- to uh, purchase something from him you could head over to patreon.com and just search for The Power Principle and you'll find him over there. So thank you for listening and once again you can join Alan and I next week with Mr. Andrew Shaw as we conclude our discussion of Season 1 of Moon Knight.
toss and turn, I keep stressing my mind, mind I look for peace but see I don't attain What I need for keeps this silly game we play, play Now look at this Madness the magnet keeps attracting me, me I try to run but see I'm not that fast I think I'm first but surely finish last Cause day and night